As you know, I love telling you about Steel Products, S-T-I-H-L. You can find a plethora of great steel products at SteelUSA.com. Again, that's S-T-I-H-L. SteelDealers.com is where you'll find more than 10,000 dealers around the country. One of the great things about going to a a steel dealer is you are going to get hands-on help and advice to help you get the job done right. Knowledgeable advice, product demonstrations, protective apparel, product registration, Trained technicians when you go to an authorized steel dealer. And again, there's more than 10,000 around the country, so there's one in your neighborhood as well. They're an award-winning company. They have award-winning products. They are truly, this is not hyperbole, they're the best, and they want to give you more than just the right tools for the job. They want to make sure you have the advice you need, again, from people that you can trust. So go see them. Steel Dealers.com, S-T-I-H-L, SteelUSA. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, Todd Helton is in the Hall of Fame. I'm just so thankful that uh, the right decision was made and uh, Todd's forever a Hall of Famer. Drew is talking with Todd's teammate and good friend, Brad Hopp, about the superstitions. If he went up there with long pants on his first at bat, he didn't have a good at bat, we're down to nothing. And you look up in his next at bat, he's wearing short pants, you know, with his shots showing. And the toughness of Todd Helton. There was moments like that where I see him in the training room and I'm like, yeah, he can't play today. And then I look up and he's up there on the field and not one person in the stands knows what he looked like in the training room three hours before that. And it's just sheer will to get out there on that field and try to win a baseball game. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. And our third and final member of the class of 2024 played his entire 17-year career while wearing number 17 for the Colorado Rockies. Today, Todd Helton becomes a member of the National Baseball Hall of Fame. Todd Helton, welcome to Cooperstown. What an awesome, awesome day. Number one for Todd Helton for all of Rockies Nation, man. You know, there has not been a lot to cheer about of late. We all understand that. But I've always likened Todd Helton to John Elway. If you ask Ardent Bronco fans, lifelong Bronco fans, fans that go back to the vertical stripes, for goodness sake. Those folks will tell you the best player in Broncos history will always be John Elway. A hundred years from now, it'll be John Elway. I feel the same way in large measure about Todd Helton. There were a lot of stars initially, guys that came to town, led by Hall of Famer Larry Walker after the inception of the Rockies in 93. You know, Ellis Burks, Vinny Castilla, Dante Bichette, you know, the Blake Street Bombers, right? But then there's Helton. 17 years in this day and age in the same uniform. And, you know, at at times he could be, you know, stoic and, and, you know, didn't give you a lot in post-game interviews. Um, very few got to always see the charm and the wit and the intelligence and the intellect. I mean, he he's a fascinating guy, and his work ethic and his drive and his allegiance to Colorado and to the fans was without parallel. And I believe that 50, 75 years from now, when you talk about the proverbial Mount Rushmore of Rockies, Todd Helton and obviously Larry Walker, they're going to be on it. And Todd Helton 
is number one for everyone. It's not a knock on Larry. Larry started his career in Montreal, finished his career uh, in St. Louis, and Larry's an all-time great, great, great Rocky. And it's awesome that he has a CR on his hat in Cooperstown. But this one for Todd, I mean, this one really resonated. And in in typical, maybe not typical Helton fashion, but but knowing him as I do, um, I, I loved his reaction when he was asked about waiting for the phone call that obviously came. I was pretty nervous. I really didn't think the phone was going to ring. And when it rang, I was, uh, yeah, I was still in shock. When it said Hall of Fame on it, I was uh, very happy. And this is something you don't play for, but you, obviously it's the greatest award you can have as a baseball player. And I get it that, that Todd was nervous. We all do, because I think we were all nervous. I'm watching that show. And you know what threw me off? When they said he played his entire career in one uniform, I'm like pumping my fist in the air because I think that's the intro to Helton, and it was the intro to Joe Maurer. And then I'm starting to do math in my head, and I knew Maurer was kind of going to be on the bubble. But he also said that there were several, and to me several is more than two, inductees this year. And we all knew that Adrian Beltre was going in. So now it's Maurer. And now I'm thinking, well, you know, did, did Billy Wagner jump in there? Um, you know, did Gary Sheffield get in? And then he started the next guy with, and that was obviously Todd, with he played his entire career in one city as well. And and then I could pump my fist in the air uh, for real. And uh, it was a special moment, man. It really was for for everybody who follows the Rockies and followed Todd's career and, you know, he was impossible not to like and impossible not to respect more than anything. And I think that speaks to who Todd was. And, you know, later on uh, at his home in Knoxville, he was asked about posting up every day. And by the way, we're going to talk to Brad Hopp about Todd Helton and the thing he admired maybe more than anything was his ability through so many injuries that nobody knew about, to post up every day. The fans meant and mean a great deal to 17. For the fans, um, they're unbelievable in Colorado. Um, You know, 162 games, there's sometimes uh, where you're just not feeling it. And and you go out and and you play at Coors Field, uh, and the fans get you energized, and they get you ready to play. And, um, you know, you never know when the the one kid's there that – that, that's his first time watching you play. So that's what I thought about when I went out there and to play is to try to show the younger kids how to play. I've done a few radio shows over the last uh, few days and some stuff on MLB Network in the lead up to finding out if Todd was going to get in. And people ask, you know, for stories. And yeah, I, I think the ones on the field, we, we all know, you know, Todd when he hit that home run against Saito to start basically that great run in 2007. And really the, the, the rare times that he showed a lot of outward emotion because he was as old school as they come. And it was about, you know, respecting the game, respecting the opponent, acting like you've done it before, been there before. That was Todd. And so when you saw that reaction after that home run against Saito, special. When you saw the reaction, he was pumping his fist in the air, 
going to a place that at some point he probably had to figure would never happen, the Rockies in the World Series, when he caught that baseball with Eric Byrne diving in uh, a moment too late. So those are the easy ones to remember, and and those are the ones we should remember. Um, I have some, just a, one or two I'll, I'll share with you that speaks to Todd. You know how superstitious he is. Uh, there was one time in Montreal, um, so this goes way back, right? There was a team still in Montreal, and they're playing in Stade Olympique, and I'm in a suit and tie, and and the batting cage for the visitors was in this you know hallway, big hallway, next to the television truck of all places. It wasn't a modern stadium with all you know with the clubhouse featuring you know two hitting cages and 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 all the amenities of the modern clubhouse so todd was taking batting practice about three hours before the ball game from uh, a then coach by the name of mike hamilton and mike's nickname was milo after the famous late announcer milo hamilton and helton's given mike a lot of shit he's like going dude he goes can you throw strikes come on and I'm standing there kind of watching. Again, I'm wearing a suit and tie. And and Helton turns to me. He goes, can you throw better BP than this? And Milo at the same time, he goes, he goes, you throw to him. So I take off my jacket. I loosen up my tie. I roll up my sleeves. And here I am three hours before a Rockies-Montreal Expos game throwing to arguably the best hitter in baseball uh, in this, you know, cage in a hallway next to a television truck in Stade Olympique. And, you know, I'm used to throwing BP because I've thrown to my boys, you know, my whole life. And, and so it was a great thrill for me naturally. And Helton hit off me for like, I don't know, good 10, 15 minutes. I have a little lather going, which I could care less about because I was, you know, fired up to have this story, if you will. And we get done. Helton kind of gives me a nod of approval and as I walk out, Milo's still standing there. He goes, you better hope he doesn't get three hits tonight because you're going to be back in there tomorrow. That was one of my favorite uh, Helton stories. And there's so many about the about the superstitions and, you know, starts out in a full beard, goes 0 for 1. He's now got a, like, Fu Manchu. Next time up, he's, after making another out, he's where he's got a mustache. And then by the time he came up for the final time, that particular evening he was clean shaven i mean he was crazy in 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 those superstitions but he's an all-time rocky and he's the number one rocky and now the rockies have two hall of famers and it's it's beyond words special it really is and i set up an interview with brad hop who's been on this podcast in the past um because brad not only played with Todd, as you know, but Brad remains a very close friend with Helton. And he's somebody that looked up to Todd initially because he was younger and came up and Helton was already established as a superstar. And Brad is, you know, so well-spoken and one of my favorite, favorite athletes I've covered over you know, going on 40 years, he's just, he's just a great human, whether he was a baseball player or an electrician or a doctor or a lawyer or, or a carpenter. I mean, he's just a great person, great family. And, and I knew Brad would be able to, uh, talk eloquently about his close friend 
Todd Helton. So here's uh, our chat on the Hall of Famer, Todd Helton. Well, Brad, it was uh, an anticipated day for anybody that knows Todd, especially for someone like yourself who, who not only played with Todd for a long time, but he's one of your best friends. What was your initial reaction and how did you find out? Uh, I was at my son's baseball practice. I was watching the MLB network and, you know, for the three o'clock kickoff here at my house on uh, central time. And, and I saw at the bottom that they were announcing it at five and I'm like, dang it, I've got to go to baseball practice right now. So I was just, whenever five o'clock hit, I was just staring at my phone, um, refreshing several websites and things as fast as I could in the middle of teaching baseball. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I, there was some uh, there was some anticipation. There was some drama. Was he going to get in? Was he not? But uh, I, I'm just so thankful that uh, the right decision was made and uh, Todd's forever a Hall of Famer. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it was almost a sense of a relief, wasn't it, in that you know he's a Hall of Famer. He deserves to be a Hall of Famer. So close a year ago. And in this day and age, you know, you're following the tracking and it, and it looks like he's going to get in, but there's usually a drop off of the people that don't reveal their votes. And it was nerve wracking, wasn't it? It was. And I'm actually surprised with you're talking about the tracking. I'm surprised it didn't drop a little further than it did because uh, some of the other ones uh, dropped further. And, you know, in years past, it seemed like there was almost a 10 percent drop and a 10 percent drop had taught kind of right back where he was last year. So, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see that, you know, he almost was at 80% by the time it was finished, which was, which was fantastic. Yeah. I, 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 I texted him last night, obviously a million people are reaching out, but as close as you guys are, were you able to chat with them yesterday? It's just texting, um, just texting back and forth, me and him and uh, Matt Bilal were just group texting each other, sending pictures and stuff like that. And I, you know, I know he had a thousand people at his house and, and, uh, you know, he even had some media stuff there. And I was just thinking, I'm like, man, all these people there and the, the, the party and this and that, he's got to get this phone call. He deserves it. And, you know, everybody's there. And I just, I don't want him to go through not getting that phone call right now as close as this is. Yeah. And he, I would imagine, I look forward to talking to him about this. Um, I, I, you you know him well, and he and he's and he's a complex guy, and I don't mean that in a in a way that that's negative at all. I mean it actually in a flattering way. There's a lot of facets to Todd Helton, right? And and he had a complex relationship with his dad, but I, I'm sure in a private moment, may, maybe with Christy, uh, his wife, that you know he he probably got a little emotional thinking about his dad upstairs and and you know how many probably good times and and tough times he spent around the game of baseball and learning how to hit from from his dad could you kind of expound on on that if you would yes well he lost his father uh, several years back um un- unexpectedly and you know the the relationship um you, you know was really just centered around baseball um in a lot of ways his dad his dad uh, helped groom him. I mean, his dad was tough. He was a tough man, and he was a strong man. He was a proud man. Um, Todd jokingly one time said uh, he learned how to hit the ball the other way so well because his dad would be so mad at him from hitting in the garage every night because the boat was their their family boat, fishing boat, was basically where right field would be in the garage, and his dad did not want the fishing boat to get hit with a baseball. And so he put the net over in left field and said, this is the only place you can hit a baseball, but this is where you're going to practice. 
Um, and so, you know, that crowd jokes around. That's why he was so good at hitting a ball the other way compared to everybody else. But uh, I'll tell you this. His dad, uh, in, in my relationship with his father, um, his dad his dad truly believed he raised a Hall of Fame baseball player. And uh, uh, and, and I think Todd and would admit to this in some capacity. Uh, he wanted to live up to that for his dad. And um, we don't always get to do things like that, but Todd did live up to that. Yeah, his dad obviously loved the game, and his dad was a heck of a player in his own right, played in the Twins organization for a couple of years before before you could really grind it out. He, he ended up, uh, you know, he's told me, you know, his late father that, you know, he had to go get a job because it just, it you know, was tough. And he learned a lot from Rod Carew. But, you know, my boys were really young when Jerry was around. I still have Jerry's number, his old number in my phone. He would say, call me anytime. Let me look at their swings. I mean, that that's how he was. He was, a you know, in his own right, a, a baseball lifer. And I know Todd, speaking of hitting the ball the other way, Brad, he probably, I know he's more proud of the doubles than anything else, but, you know, if he could, if he could think of his favorite type of hit, it was a double to left center, wasn't it? Absolutely. And, uh, uh, he was as good as there was at it. I mean, the, the, the balance he could keep at the plate with his, his stride, his load. I mean, he was like a, uh, he was like a cat in the batter's box that his balance. I mean, and, and that's what just drove pitchers crazy because he could flip a line drive the other way and then, and it would be just fouled. And they think they have him set up for something hard in and then they throw hard in and he smashes the ball to right. It's just, he was so good at his balance that allowed him to uh, to really thrive on hitting the ball the other way, but still react in. Sometimes we don't remember everything. Do you do you recollect the first time you met him? Maybe the first time you actually had a conversation, and what you thought as you walked away, or or, or if you thought anything. I, I don't know that if I remember like the very the specific. I remember thinking. Um, you know, being nervous, being around him, you know, in the minor leagues, I was in the minor league spring training and, uh, you know, he was, uh, you know, he was a big figure. He was already thought held. He was already hundred extra base hits a year. Um, and I already knew that I was looking at a hall of famer. Heck, I didn't even think I was going to play in the big leagues. I mean, I'm, I'm thankful I got to play in the big leagues. I just every year wanted to go have the best season I could in the minor league and just enjoy the game of baseball. I didn't know that I was going to play, um, with a Hall of Famer, so you know, whenever I was young and impressionable and would be around him, uh, you know, I was I was nervous. I was around a big figure. Yeah. What was as as you can look back now, Todd Helton was a Hall of Famer because his talent was so unique and his work ethic was unique, and those two things melded. Or, or is there something else now as you kind of reflect back? Well, you know, he was talented, um, but. You know, uh, we can say there's a lot of people that are talented. He was, you know, he wasn't faster than everybody. Um, I do think his balance was better than everybody. I actually think what made him um, that 1% better than everybody else, which is hard to do because that's the top level, and he stood out at the top level every single day. I think it was his uh, just his relentless drive um, or maybe passion to – to literally win. I mean, he, that's, that's kind of what he taught us as players. It's like, uh, you get to the big leagues, don't be one of those guys chasing statistics and numbers so that you can get your money. Uh, the money will follow 
the wins. The numbers will follow the wins. And I mean, that's how he made his money. And that's how he made himself a Hall of Famer was his just drive to win the baseball game that particular day. Do you think that came from his football background or do you just think it was in his DNA? Do you think his dad passed it on? Why, why do you think he was that way in a game that is so statistically driven? Honestly, I think it, I think it boils back down to his relationship with his dad. Um, I, I think, I think his dad, um, instilled in Todd to be tough. I think, I think Todd grew up tough. Um, you know, I don't think Todd was allowed to in his household have his four back and not play that day. I think it was, his dad was a tough man and, and, and Todd was a tough man and Todd still is. Um, I, I think, I think he was raised that way. I think he was raised just suck it up, son. You're, you're, you're the, you're the face of this family. You're the face of this franchise. He, Todd's been carrying that pressure for a long time and he's just, uh, and he's risen to it. Does that, we say that the people, you know, who write or broadcast about games, whatever the sport is, um, it's almost become a cliche. You say, well, if you have a guy like that in your clubhouse, the, the, the old line, Brad, you know, if you're, if you're hardest working, if your best player is your hardest working player, it's going to raise the level of the, of everybody else. Do you think that's a truism when we say it where, Boy, I know Helton's hurting, but shoot, he's still in the lineup, and I got a little nagging this or that. I better step, but you know, I, I better post up also. I mean, is it is that a truism? It definitely works for me. I, I I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt. When I first got to the big leagues, Todd was doing that, and there were other people that were good players um, with the Rockies when I first got there, and I was watching them not be that guy. And I'm watching Todd do it. Um, I, and I'm not going to name any names, but I watched plenty of people that were very talented baseball players that weren't quite right that day and shut it down. And I watched Todd uh, have trouble putting shoes on on certain days, bending over to put his shoes on, and then he's out there with two doubles and a game-winning hit. Um, he led by example, and he made all of us better and want to be more like him and not like the other people because it stood out. Yeah, there's so many legendary stories, and and you've been on with me before, and whether it be on on this little podcast uh, or just BSing, you know the the stories of the clubhouse and and of uh, you know all of his uh, idiosyncrasies and his uh, you know t- t- the stories are like I, I one of my favorites that he told me, um, you know he lived up in in Brighton right or right around there and and. He drove. He had a good ball game, and he drives to the ballpark the next day in the afternoon, and he realizes that he didn't stop for dip in the same place he did, and somehow took a slightly different route. And he literally left and went back home, and re, you know, <laughs> we went back to the ballpark. He was the most superstitious baseball player I've ever been around. Um, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I pick him up from the house if we live close to each other. And we'd drive to the ballpark and he'd have a nice game and we won. And the next day he's texting me, what time are you picking me up again? Uh, <laughs> we're going to ride this thing out until it, until it doesn't work. Um, it, it was just amazing that it didn't matter. I mean, if firehouse does, we had a firehouse sub went down the way there. It's like, yeah, it was okay, but we had a good game. What time are we going to firehouse subs again? Cause we know what we're ordering the exact same thing. Um, you know, I don't know how many fans noticed back in the day. Um, you know, his superstitions, if he, 
if he went up there with long pants on his first at bat and he didn't have a good at bat and we're down to nothing and you look up and his next at bat, he's wearing uh, short short pants, you know, where the shots showing, and then he doesn't have a good at bat, and we're still down. And then the next at bat, he's swinging my bat with a, no batting glove, and then before you know it, he gets a hit and grabs somebody in, and we're coming back, and there he is back up there again with no batting glove and my bat and short pants, just trying to find every little uh, uh, every little trick to put that, that one final piece of the puzzle to, to make it click. Your old teammate Preston Wilson told me a story once. He had a he had a big game like on a Friday night, and uh, you know batting practice over Saturday, and he you know he goes in his locker, going to put his you know his, his pants on, and he has no pants in his locker, and he's like, "Chilty, where are my pants?" He's talking about Keith Schultz, former clubhouse manager. Todd had taken Preston's pants because Preston had a really good game in him, and he had put them on. Yeah, there's no there's no question that Todd knew every single item in everybody's locker. Like I never had the guts to look in anybody else's locker or to take anything out of somebody else's locker. And you look up in the third inning, you run back up there, and Todd's snooping through lockers like, what can I find? Who's got the perfect batting glove or or who's got the perfect <laughs> bat? <laughs> like, what can I find to take with me to this next bat? It was unbelievable. And, and the funny thing about him is. He he's obviously bright enough to realize, let's be serious, none of that really matters. It really doesn't. Yet, you know, he was he was a victim of it. He he once told me, and if he told me, then you obviously know this. He goes, yeah, it was actually at the end of the season a relief because he could let all that stuff go and kind of just go about his business in the offseason like a normal human, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. How many how many things do you think compounded over the course of you know spring training through 162 regular season games to the final deal? It's like a prisoner or a slave to all these things. Uh, and and here's the thing: most baseball players are like that. He was he was like that to the nth degree. Uh, it was I mean, you couldn't even measure it. Yeah, like it consumed his entire day. Yeah, was he now? You've spent a lot of time. I, I don't know anything about hunting, but you've spent a lot of time. You guys have you know ranches together, and you spent a lot of time in the woods or or um, hunting together. Is he in any way, shape, or form that same type of competitor or superstitious athlete when you guys are are out um, on an ATV, or he's kind of completely different cat? Yeah, I think he's completely different. I mean, he's just. He's just sitting back, having fun, um, enjoying the hunt. You know, and he's a very giving uh, person as a hunter. You know, we have a ranch together, and that's me and him and Matt Belisle on a ranch together in Deer Hunt Ranch. And, you know, we all get along so well with it because the ranchers, yeah, we like to go out there and enjoy a hunt together or harvest a nice animal on occasion. But, you know, the truth is we own that ranch together for – our friends and family and guests to go out there and see and harvest some animals of a lifetime. Um, and that's really kind of the mantra for Todd is an outdoorsman. You know, if he takes um, our head foreman on an elk hunt and a nice elk walks out and they're together, he, and Todd's not like, hey, this is my trip, that's my elk. And first thing Todd will say is, hey, you like that one? Why don't you take that elk? Uh, right. He's a very, people don't understand, uh, about Todd Hill because they watch him as a baseball player and all that. He's a very, very giving, uh, big hearted, uh, man. Now, you know, I've, I've seen that warmth that 
you know, on different occasions in, in my relationship with them. And, uh, you know, again, I, I use the word complex and that is not an unflattering term. It's just, he has a lot of different facets of, uh, you know, of his being. And, um, one of them that came out, uh, which was, I, I think really remarkable for all great Rockies fans because they saw this great, great player, undeniable, but this stoic figure from afar, whether it's watching on television or on the occasion that they were, you know, at Coors Field. And in that magical season, which you and I have recounted, you know, many times, um, you know, Todd, all of a sudden, especially, you know, when, when, uh, when that, 27th out was recorded and you guys were going to the World Series, you saw, you know, an outward expression of joy that no one had ever seen. I mean, he hit a walk-off homer and and there was like he'd run around the bases like, you know, he hit a home run in the third inning, in, uh, you know, in the middle of May, right? That, that, did that, did that stick with you also? Like, wow. I mean, he's kind of stepped out of who he generally is in that moment. Yes, he stepped out, um, and, and it was big for us. But you know, me knowing him as well as I was fortunate enough to know him do, at that moment, uh, I knew that that was basically part of his upbringing as well. Um, I, I'm my assumption knowing him is and and his upbringing and how he was. He probably was taught you're not allowed to show that emotion. You're not allowed to show off the competitor you're not you're supposed to get that hit i expect you to get that hit i expect you to be the winning it's not that big of a deal when you did because that's who you are um i think that was how he was brought up uh but at some point it just bubbles over and i'm so happy that it did and the rockies fans get to see that and us as teammates got to see that because it was in there and it's not that and some people may think it was because he didn't care i think he took it to the the utmost level of I'm not going to disrespect this game, that man on the other side, any of this, because I know it could turn around and bite me in the butt real quick. Yeah. It's a humbling game, so I'm just going to keep my head down. I'm going to keep working. You know, Brad, I think, again, you know, mo- most people, if they say, hey, what's your favorite Todd Helton moment? And I've been asked on some shows lately. And, you know, you, you kind of gravitate toward, you know, the home run against Saito and, and the moment you and I were just talking about where he, uh, you know, Eric Burns is diving into first and the throw arrives, uh, you know, before he gets there, et cetera. Um, but a- a- as somebody that was his teammate and close friend for long, it, do you have a do you have a, a different maybe memory that you always think of and, and makes you pause or makes you smile uh, in, in watching and playing next to him? The thing for me, and, and we've touched on this a little bit before, the thing that makes me smile the most and makes him who he is and what turned him into a Hall of Famer was the fact he played through injuries um, and 17 years in at Coors Field. I know that people um, in the media and the Hall of Fame voting, they like to use that as a crutch for why he had good numbers with complete disregard to how well he did on the road as well. But if, if, you, if you peel back the layers of playing at Coors Field just a little bit, um, yes, it's a good place to hit. But, Drew, you know as well as I do, we never got acclimated there during the playing season because as soon as you start feeling good and getting a good night's sleep at home, you're back on the road again at a different elevation, um, you know, oxygen levels and all that. It's just tough coming back every other week and trying to get a good night's sleep and the, and recover and the things that did your body. And he did that for 17 years and fought through a lot of tough stuff. Um, 
that like like us pushed on, a lot of other people would bow out on some of yeah. the games that he stayed in there and competed, and that's what makes him who he is. And whenever I think about, you know, what are the moments that stand out to me, there was moments like that where I see him in the training room, and I'm like, yeah, he can't play today. And then I look up, and he's out there on the field, and not one person in the stands knows what he looked like in the training room three hours before that. And it's just sheer will to get out there on that field and try to win a baseball game. Yeah, that's so well said. And and I I think that maybe more than anything really gives you insight uh, into who he is and and why he's a Hall of Famer. I know you brought up the Coors Field thing. To me, it's such a tired narrative. I've gotten on, you know, my little soapbox so many damn times, whether it be on television or, or on the radio. And um, it, it pisses me off on so many different levels because what you guys have to go through, no other team in baseball has to go through. It takes away from what you're able to do on the road, not only because of ball movement, but uh, the body constantly changing, your sleep patterns, your recovery patterns. It, it, it's no joke. And as you've pointed out, um, his numbers on the road are better than some all-time Hall of Famers like Winfield and Murray and Brett and you know some some of the biggest names in the history of the game and so many people um too many people who have a vote are lazy and and it and it drives me batty they don't talk about it at, uh you know Yankee Stadium the short porch and right they don't take away from pitchers who pitched at Dodger Stadium as a former longtime player and a tremendous player in your own right does it does it frustrate you when that thing comes up? Because listen, they could take away you, you know from anybody who ever played at Coors Field. Like you know, it's like yourself. I mean, does it does it still get you pissed off? I guess it does a little bit, but uh, you know, for me, I, I try to step back and reflect, and I'm like, you know, whenever I'm hearing this, usually it's from like you mentioned somebody from a uh, Yankees writer or a Red Sox where they feel like they're in the big leagues and everybody else is kind of in a different level. It's not coming from the players. Um, it's coming from the, from the people that are covering that. And I'm sure that I'm sure they give that, you know, the media over there kind of gives that ribbing to uh, the media for, you know, the Rockies and stuff is, it's kind of like, well, hold on. Yeah, but I cover so-and-so team. Like it's okay. They have a bias towards their team and that's great because that's what makes Sports, what it is, is the, the fan base and the bias and the love for their own teams. The problem for the Rockies is being the only team in the mountain time zone, which is crazy. You know, you're always traveling out of the mountain time zone, and we're kind of, uh, you know, we're the only ones there. So, you know, we're, it's really it's the Rockies and that's it. And so these other people uh, and these other markets, like you said, it's, just, it's, it's a little lazy. I'm giving Todd some love. And I've always kind of thought, and, and I'm not a pitcher by any means, um, but I'm like, well, if that's the case, then we need to, those guys need to go give Jeff Francis, Aaron Cook, uh, Kyle Freeland, Herman Marquez. Some of these guys need to get a little bit more love that they're getting. If you're going to just credit the hitter for Coors Field, then you need to give those guys some more attention whenever uh, Ubaldo is throwing up numbers like he did. It's like, you know, that's historic then if you're going to deduct for the hitting. Um, but they don't do that. And that's just a bias. And it's, and it's okay. It's what makes sport sports. It's our team versus their team scenario. Yeah. A couple of real quick ones, Brad. By the way, you mentioned pitching, and you you at one point in time were really well thought of, you know, power left-handed arm. Todd, you know, some I told somebody this the other day who's in the media, and they had no idea 
that Todd at Tennessee at one point held the NCAA record for um, shutout innings. It was like 50-something for a long time. The NCAA record for, for consecutive shutout innings held by Todd Helton, who most people only, you know, associate with being, you know, a phenomenal now Hall of Fame hitter. Uh, he told me that he thought, and you know how humble he is, he thought early in his career he could have been a situational lefty, come off, come off from first base and drop down and and, and get some key left-handed guys out. I don't. I, you played with him. I I would imagine. Hey, why not? I mean, he probably could have. You know, and we've talked about for the Hall of Fame. You know, there's so much emphasis on his uh, his hitting accolades and. Uh, you know, they mentioned he played football. Come on, he played Division One football at Tennessee uh, as a starting quarterback. He wasn't the backup quarterback. He wasn't just getting a uniform. He was out there getting smacked. And then he turns around uh, the next spring, and he's one of the best baseball players in the country, not just at first base and not just with a bat, but also on the mound. I mean, whenever you look at some of the things that he was fortunate enough to do, I mean, you just – there's just this it's like pieces of an onion. It wasn't just he was a great hitter at scores. It's like, you know, I think he was robbed of some gold gloves um, as a first baseman. And if Derek Lee wasn't in the league, he might have had, probably might have had four or five more. Um, he was an unbelievable first baseman. But being able to pitch like he did, I, yeah, it was be 47 or 50 innings. Um, yeah. And that's against SEC baseball. That's We're not talking – High school, or we're talking about the best baseball in college baseball, where he had that run. It's just unbelievable. All the little pieces of uh, his athletic career. Hey, Drew, he's an unbelievable golfer. Yeah, I mean, it's going down the list. Like I haven't seen him shoot a basketball a lot, but he's probably not bad at that either. No, you know, he's the guy who pisses you off in a lot of ways, right? So, um, hey, at some point in the next uh, couple of days, I imagine you're going to uh, make your uh, reservations uh, for for Cooperstown in late July, huh? Yeah, that's the place to be right now. I always said that whenever I want to go someday, but I'm not, I don't want to go until Todd's getting inducted. That's whenever I want to be there, and I want to see it, and I want to enjoy it and take, and take my family and uh, yeah. just back up there and just – Shed a tear to pride for that man. Yeah, that that'll be awesome. And um, you know, you know, one of the things that makes me chuckle a little bit, and, and certainly it's got to for you. Right now, Todd has to do a million interviews. He'll be in as we tape this Thursday. He'll be up in Cooperstown. You know, huge press conference. I'm there, and he's going to have to do more media. And he hates talking about himself. <laughs> yeah, he hates it. Um, but you know. Just a little interaction I've had here recently with him, seeing him on the TV, seeing his family. Um, this means a lot to him. He, it really does as well as it should. Um, but I think it actually means more to him than I would have thought it would have 10 years ago, just as I'd already taken for granted that he was a Hall of Famer. Um, you know, and, and, and maybe that was naive of me because there was a lot of like Matt Holiday. Well, he got two votes. I mean, yeah. he's off the ballot. Lance Bergman off the ballot his first year. I mean, you go down the list. There's some pretty good players that never got a vote that I thought were borderline Hall of Famers. Um, so maybe I took it for granted, but he did it, and this means a lot to him and his family. And when he's long gone, 
and not around anymore, people are still going to be saying his name as Todd Helton, the Hall of Famer, and that is just so cool. Yeah, absolutely. Brad, it's always great catching up. My very best to your family, and uh, and you're wearing that coaching hat right now, which uh, you know is a labor of love as you get to coach your son, which is uh, which is the best thing in the world. I know that. So um, it's always great uh, visiting, man. I appreciate you. Thanks, Drew. I miss you. I hope to get to see you some this summer. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We'll see you soon, man. Take care. Stay well. All right. Thank you, Drew. You too. You know, we're going to do a lot on Todd in, in the coming weeks, and we'll uh, endeavor to get him on. He was great. I texted him literally, you know, like everybody else, minutes after he was, um, you know, got the word. And, you know, he got back later that evening. And, and uh, he's just, he's a special, he's a special guy. And, he, and I get the feeling like he's in a really good place now, not just by, uh, the fact that he got the news that he wanted so badly and, and we all wanted for him. Um, but just overall, he's, he's in a good place and it's hard to believe he's 50 uh, now. Uh, but it's always great to reflect on, you know, somebody that has that unique career. And we, you know, we cheer for athletes and sometimes we feel like we get to know the athletes as fans. Um, and I can tell you because I've gotten to know Todd um, in the role I, I hold as a broadcaster, um, special person, um, special, not only work ethic, obviously special talent. Um, but it's like Brad was saying, this guy, this guy played when so many others would not. And it was all about winning, all about winning. And so congrats to 17. Todd Helton, the second Rocky to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. And I know there's going to be a whole lot of purple in the middle of the summer in late July in that beautiful hamlet of Cooperstown, New York. We'll do some more reflecting on Todd and what this means and who perhaps could be the next Rocky Hall of Famer um, in the future. Uh, we'll do all that in uh, in coming weeks, but uh, I'm happy for all of you, for all the great Rockies fans out there, that you can celebrate Todd's uh, enshrinement uh, as well. So we'll do it again in seven days. As I like to say, big, big thanks to Brad Hopp, and uh, congrats once again to Todd, and uh, we'll talk soon. Stay well, everybody. 